Welcome to What's Left to Do. I'm your host, Janelle. Y'all know that internet meme, get you somebody that can do both? Well, this week's guest is someone that perfectly embodies just that. Dan earned his new nickname, Grumpy Gus, from me during the Sanders primary campaign, because homeboy would just be like, walking around the office, skulking, wishing a motherfucker would (laughs) little did i know i could (laughs) i could have just as easily begun calling him gentle ben as he is extremely fond of being in touch with his emotions and the emotions of others who do we have on today super glad you asked i'm gonna describe him first before i say his name now you're a leftist You're a progressive. You mean business. This is the man you want volunteering on your campaign because he will haze the fuck out of everyone who comes in that office so that everyone is on their P's and Q's. Does everyone have a mental picture of like a like a pledge master in college who'll just like get in your ass just to make sure, you know, you know what it is? that's what this gentleman does. Uh, He's so committed to climate change as an issue that he never wears pants because he wants to never forget how his body is exposed to the elements. Uh, He's angry, but for a purpose. Pants, they don't exist um, in his world. I think that mostly covers it, though the Instagram for this is going to be real dumb, so tune in. Uh, Grumpy Gus, everybody. Say hello. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> He's exactly that mean in person, so just that's what we're dealing with. How are you? How are you? I'm doing great. I actually the the no pants comment uh, reminded me of um, something from my childhood when um, my family moved from St. Louis to California. Mm. I uh, would help this old man across the street put up his Christmas lights each year. Mm-hmm. His name was Mister Post Hour. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and he was kind of deaf for hearing aids and stuff and he would call over and one time uh, my mom had him on speakerphone and he just like said into the phone is danny still not wearing long <laughs> pants <laughs> the answer is yes yeah. danny will never ever be wearing long pants and yeah. that's just that's his business i mean who am i gotta let just, these calves be free just, you know you know get a little sun on them yeah they need it he's a he's a porcelain prince anyway <laughs> Um, so I got to know you, he 100% and I'm not even exaggerating. The first time I met him in the office, he cussed me out and I was just (laughs) like saying hello. And I was like, oh, okay. This, I don't know why he's so angry. Little did I know it was his prophetic view of the bullshit that was to come in 2020. So we should, we should have all been that angry, even though we won California, but that's fine. Um, so I met your mean ass, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> during the 2020 primary campaign and you know you were you were i mean you were in office every day kind of like me like you were a full-time um yeah you were a full-time guy um so i would like to understand like how do we get to that point we're gonna rewind the tape sure um and i want you to start from the beginning the day that you were born frowning 
and you maybe wow. slapped the shit out of the doctor that slapped you on the butt right yeah. after you came out. So I was I was born at a very young age. <laughs> And um, I was uh, born in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, were you? I was. <laughs> St. Louis, Missouri. Go Cardinals. Go um, Cards. I don't care about sports anymore. <laughs> and um, I uh, lived there till I was 10. Uh, I've got an older brother and a younger brother. Mm -hmm. And my dad worked for Budweiser huh. in sports marketing. So if you've huh. been to a sports stadium around the country and seen a Budweiser sign, chances are good that my dad did the deal to put it up there. Uh-uh-uh. Um, is your dad from the Midwest? My dad's from Omaha, Nebraska. My mom's from Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. All right. Proper uh, proper white American. Yeah, I'm a proper white man. Okay. Um, <laughs> I hate you I'm so, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I it going to be, have to be so tight on this, but yeah, please continue. Um, and so then my family moved to California when I was 10. Uh, what's up? We're going back to St. Louis. That's oh, okay. like zero to 10. What was that like? Right on. Um, I really loved growing up in St. Louis. Mm, um, why? Uh, my family lived in kind of like a big cul-de-sac thing with a be beautiful park in the middle, and there were a bunch of families in the neighborhood. Um, this is sounding real sister wives-ish. Is this the time that you want to come forward? Sister as wives, a, no. Like an FLDS child? or No, actually. <laughs> we were Catholic. Oh, okay. Um, my dad is still quite Catholic. Okay. Um, You're goes, not Catholic? Um, no. I or mean, are you culturally Catholic? I, so that's an interesting thing. I don't know that, like, I guess I could say that. I feel like Judaism is the only religion where somebody could say they're, like, an atheist Jew. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say, like, I'm an atheist Catholic, mm -hmm. you know? Um, Are you, like, I also, an agnostic Catholic? Yeah, I also wouldn't say I'm an atheist at all. I'm oh. agnostic. Okay, okay. Um, super down to talk about spirituality and religion and stuff. I love thinking about that and talking about it, but yeah, I don't know that this podcast is about that. It's connected to your... No, no, no. We're going to... We're, it all goes together. Because oh, that's great. probably connected to why you so deeply, you hmm. know, love the earth. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Yeah, actually. Um, so there's, um, so went to church every Sunday growing up. Uh, Were you an altar Louis. boy? No, 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 no. no. Uh, went to church every Sunday growing up at St. Louis University Church mm. at Gobelicans. Mm. Um, there's a Jesuit church um, mm. and talking about service and stuff. The Jesuits are um, what I've heard one priest refer to them as the loyal opposition within the church. Huh. Um, the what current, does he mean by that? So the current Pope is a Jesuit yeah, yeah. and everybody likes him, mm -hmm. you know, well, not everybody, but like, you know, many people, many people like him mm -hmm. uh, in large part because they are like sort of the more progressive, more in service of the poor uh, arm of the church. And so mm -hmm. the loyal opposition, they are Catholic, you know, they love all that shit, um, but they really pull against the sort of stalwart, dogmatic, you know, sitting there every tower bullshit sure. that a lot of other Catholics do. Mm -mm. Um, how would you how would you how would you describe living in St. Louis like? As a child, like, did you think that you grew up, like, did you think that most other people, like, in the world grew up like you, like, had lives like you? No. Uh, so I'm I'm certainly quite privileged, um, but my family spent a lot of the holidays. The church we went to was in the middle of St. Louis. Mm -hmm. and um, Like down, like inner St. Louis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so St. Louis in the early mid nineties, like especially downtown was, uh, not doing great. Mm -hmm. Um, and so a lot of the holidays we'd spend, um, we would deliver like Christmas dinners to folks who weren't doing as, as great, mm -hmm. um, give out Christmas gifts, uh, Thanksgiving dinner, stuff like that. So, uh, my parents made sure that we kind of had the window into, uh, lives that weren't quite as, um, 
privileged as ours. But how did you understand that as a child? Is it just oh, like, ah, this is like, this is what mom and dad make us do. Like, how did you understand that, that level of service as a child? Do you think? Huh? Man, that's a great question. Yeah, I know. God, you're good at this. Yeah. Um, how did I level, understand that level of service as a child? Um, I don't really know. I mean, like I trying to think back. I just saw those families as like families like ours. It felt kind of weird. Hmm. Um, I remember this one instance when we like delivered Christmas dinner to somebody's house and it was, it didn't seem like, you know, they were super poor. It was just a smaller house, but it felt strange to be like going in their house and it felt like a little embarrassing, hmm. um, like embarrassed on their behalf maybe mm -hmm. or something like that. Hmm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, those are the feelings that I remember. Hmm. Um, understanding maybe their embarrassment for like being given food or, or, yeah. or needing help, help. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah needing help. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that was, um, a lot of childhood went to public schools, a really good school. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, for some reason, a few of the kids who I went to like elementary school with uh. are like famous now. No. Uh, yeah. For, do you know Claire Saffitz? She's no. like the. She's become famous for being this dessert uh, baker who like. Oh, does she make bread? She makes a whole bunch of baked goods. I think I know who you're talking so about. So she um, she came out with this book, Dessert Person, and she's super popular <laughs> with like a bunch of people who dig baking and shit. Okay. Uh, and it's strange because like I remember being in like elementary school with her, and I, I know that like um, strong independent women are often called bossy. Uh -huh. uh, she was repeatedly called bossy as a uh, child. Oh yeah. And she's yeah. probably annoying. Let's yeah. I mean, honest. and she went to like Harvard and oh, okay. then went yeah. to culinary she's school and became like a then. YouTube sensation or okay. some shit. Okay. Uh, anyways, so her, um, this woman, Joanna Firestone, who's mm -hmm. a comedian, um, no she's fucking hilarious. Okay. She's so good. Okay. Um, she's, Did you, she, were you in class with her? Or you, she just went to the same school. She and I went to preschool together. Oh, okay. Claire Saffitz and I did go to, we're in class together mm -hmm, in elementary mm -hmm. school. Um, I have like a memory with Joe. We were like making like plates together and shit as mm -hmm. little kids. Mm -hmm. um, she's rad. She's mm -hmm. cool. She's also, she's in DSA. So ah, there you go. Where? Full circle. Uh, New York. Okay. Okay. Huh. Um, yeah. But anyways, um, that was kind of growing up in St. Louis. It was like, how would people describe you as a child from zero to 10 in St. Louis? Like describe yourself as a child. Were you like hell on wheels? Were you no. like a goofy? No, no Were I'm, you a, I'm quiet? a good boy. I'm a good boy. Okay. That's uh, not true. So let's... I, I mean, it, uh, I think it, it, it kind of is, but it's like, were I, you good because you were the middle child? And so you had to like fit in between your two psychotic brothers. That's a good way to describe it. So, um, I'm like a, stereotypical middle child uh. of like the mediator, the facilitator, mm. the peacemaker, mm. somebody who just like wants everything to be calm and good. Okay. Um, because what, like what was, what was your context of being the middle child mediator? Um, like were your brothers hell on wheels? Like were your parents? I mean, my loud? older brother was, uh, definitely not as, uh, emotionally intelligent, nor did he give as much a shit mm. about that. <laughs> we're quite close now, sure. but, um, he is kind of like a bulldozer mm -hmm. and he just like, he's really good at achieving his goals. He like runs ultra marathons. He played college sports. Mm -hmm. He, you know, majored in a liberal arts degree and then went back to school and like did a whole shit in engineering. And like now is a water resource engineer. Mm -hmm. And like, he's just like, he's, he actually started the defund the police movement up in Redding. Nice. Um, Washington. No, Redding, Northern California. Oh, duh. Sorry. And so he's like, you know, like moving insanely you know clear-sighted toward his goals mm -hmm. uh whereas i'm like 
paying more attention to kind of what's going on with people. So to go back to your question, what was I like as a kid? My parents would uh, talked about like they would be able to put me in like a baby carrier, just sit on a counter during a party. And I would just sit there and like look at people just and smile. <laughs> um, and it's still true now. Like I really, really like my happiest place is being around people I love and they're all chatting and have a great time. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting there watching. Um, so I'm a lurker. I'm I'm a lurker. I'm a, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I like to watch the the title of your, of your show. Mm. You know, that's not problematic. Not at all. But it kind of like extends all the way. What I really like to, to do is kind of like help facilitate and empower people to be kind of the best versions of themselves. Sure. Um, and then get the fuck out of the way. Um, and so it's, I think that like who I am as a person now and what I want to do professionally is rooted in, uh, that kid who just like wants everybody to be like mingling and happy at a party. Sure. Can we all just get along? You got it, kid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. So, um, what yeah. did your, was your, did your mom work outside of the home? She did uh, on and off in different ways. Um, throughout my childhood, she had she worked at this company called Merits. Mm. I have no fucking clue what they did. Um, she was in marketing too. Mm. Both my parents are very smart, hardworking people. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom graduated high school in three years and college Whoa. in three years. Mm. Um, and um, she's since worked in a couple different capacities, but right now does... Uh, development work for a private high school down the peninsula in Woodside. Um, so it raises a bunch of money, interfaces with, you know, people you probably met at Google. Yeah. And right. um, gets them to try and give money so their kids can have a fancy school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, hmm. But, yeah. All right. Right on. So, yeah. so after 10. So after 10. Wow, after 10. Um We moved to California, moved to Menlo Park. Huh. What brought, what brought them out there? Uh, my or dad had been working them. at Budweiser mm-hmm. and doing marketing work. And I think that uh, a juncture came up in his career where his boss was leaving. And so he uh, and another peer were up for promotion to that boss's job. Yeah. His peer got the promotion mm-hmm. and his peer did not like him. Ooh. And so it was either like get out quick and find another job or like end up getting let go at some point. Ah, um, yikes. Okay. That's my understanding at least. Okay. Um, so he got a job at Visa mm. um, doing marketing, mm-hmm. um, and that brought us out here. Uh-huh. Um, what was the biggest? What was your? What were your recollections of like the differences and the changes from St. Louis to California when you guys moved? Yeah. Um, Other than not really needing pants. Yeah, yeah Danny's still not wearing <laughs> long pants. Um, differences. I feel like people in the Midwest are just like kinder hmm. i saw this thing on the internet the other day that said like people on the east coast are kind and people on the west coast are nice yep um which pisses me off as somebody who now identifies a west as a west coaster <laughs> but like um i think is like directionally true mm-hmm. uh, but midwesterners are both nice and kind <laughs> nah, maybe, depending maybe, on where you're at like not midwest. north midwest like not, yeah, i was like there's yeah. there's like minnesota nice yeah yeah not that that's shit. different than missouri yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. um so i just you know I remember having like the idyllic childhood of like baseball games in the summer right. and like, you know, snowing on Christmas day and like, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then coming to California and I remember the first Christmas and my dad has like one of those old janky video tape recorder things. Mm-hmm. I'm 33. So you can do the math. And, um, uh, it <laughs> was just like, suitcase. yeah. And it was just like green and beautiful outside on Christmas. And I was just like, this is kind of bullshit. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, 
So I remember that. I also, we moved into Sharon Heights in Menlo Park, which mm-hmm. is a, a pretty nice neighborhood. Mm-hmm. My dad jokes that um, the average age of residents there is deceased. Mm. Um, a lot of old people. Okay. Um, and so there weren't like a lot of kids on the street where I'd grown up before. It's just like you could, I could walk to school or ride my bike. Mm-hmm. I like l- delivered the newspaper to like an old lady. I helped other old ladies like, you know, sweep up their leaves in the fall and in stuff. In Menlo Park. Uh, no, 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 in St. Louis. Oh, when okay. I, was up. I never really fit in middle school and didn't really feel like I, I mean, like, again, does anybody feel like they fit in the middle school? I don't know. I mean, I did. But why do okay, you feel like you, you did? <laughs> why do you feel well, like you did? You're super socially graceful. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, I don't know. At first, when I first moved there, I just felt like I didn't grow up with these people and mm-hmm. there wasn't like a ton of welcoming energy. Hmm. Um, I don't remember that. Um, and then I just, I felt kind of out of place. Meaning uh, it took you a while to like understand like the kids around your age and or feel welcome with a group of kids around your age. Yes. Is that what you mean? Oh, yeah. Okay. Which I never felt that way in St. Louis. In St. Louis, I felt like extremely comfortable mm-hmm. all the time all the time socially okay. okay yeah i remember actually it was kind of funny like two weeks before my parents told us we were moving to california i have this distinct memory of being in the car with my mom and being like mom i really love living in st louis i hope we never leave <laughs> yeah that's right like literally two weeks before <laughs> she, she was like fuck well yeah, yeah <laughs> god damn it um how long did what what about what about the kids out here Maybe and, and maybe it was like an inchoate kind of like ah, I, I can't really describe it, but like if you if you if there is language for it, like what about the kids out here? Like made it made it difficult for you to kind of like find your place for it. But. I felt clicky. Uh, ah. I felt like there were popular kids hmm. and like pretty girls and athletic boys and like you know the whole like sort of social strata sure. that didn't feel like it existed in in elementary school or middle school. Hmm. And maybe that was like I left after fourth grade and then that stuff starts to develop yep. in middle school. That's right. Um, and so it would have happened in St. Louis too, but I would have been like more of a fixture of it and so wouldn't have like been able to As start. Yeah, examine it. Dis- I mean, like from a, uh, outside, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like entering into it at that stage, it was like, oh, this shit. Cause there were some kids who were super nice. Like, yeah. you know, the fat kids were really nice and like the nerdy <laughs> kids were really nice. And like, I mean, like, you know, I, I've got a belly, so I can say that. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, shout out to the nice fatties from yeah. middle school. Hey, I'm one of them. <laughs> um, so what's up my people? <laughs> Shut a, up. Just had a big old bowl of tortellini. Oh, of our God. truths. Um, <laughs> That is not a dirty word, all no, right? No, it's, listen, I, it's... This is another topic we can talk about for a long time. I got a lot of opinions about that, that No, listen, we're going to hear all of them. That's why I have 18 Jesus. layers of clothes for Great. when the temperature drops. I'm sweating. <laughs> um, did you, how long do you think it took you to, like, like, when you did find your niche, like, socially, like, who was it with? And, like, why do you think that became your... I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. So I'm going to skip one step. And uh, when I went to high school, mm. I went to high school 30 miles away. I went to a Catholic high school. A Jesuit 30 Catholic, miles away. Yeah, Jesuit job. Catholic school in San Jose. And private. Private. Okay. Um, and uh, the only people from my middle school who I continued to be friends with or keep in touch with or were the same people who went to that high school which was like five guys it was an all-boys high school Mm -hmm. meaning that i don't know that i ever really found my social niche in middle school i see um i like was like friendly with some people and like i remember this one guy we play like pokemon cards after church on sundays sometimes Mm -hmm. um but like he and i ended up going to high school together and weren't 
friends in high school. Um, and the pretty much one guy, actually, his name's Adam. He's rad. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's super into aquariums and Corvettes now. Uh, smokes more weed than anybody I know. I mean, um, he's a good man. What up, Adam? Yeah, he's a good man. Um, Did you want to go to a private high school or your parents wanted you to go to private high school? I have an older brother. Uh-huh. And he... The bull uh, in the china shop. The bull in the china shop. Uh-huh. The very... Uh, headstrong. Headstrong soccer player. Uh-huh. The high school I went to, Bellarmine, uh, at the time had the best high school, high school soccer team in the nation. Huh. Uh, it's an all boys high school of like 1400 boys and it's uh, one of the oldest schools in the country. And mm-hmm. so there's just like this longstanding traditions. Sure. And so like, then it becomes a f- funnel school, you know? Uh-uh. Um, and so he went there. And so then my parents wanted all their kids to go to the same I school. See. And also he'd had such a lovely experience the first year or so. I mean, like I think single sex education has its pluses and minuses. And mm-hmm. certainly the idea of an all boys school producing emotionally intelligent, thoughtful, kind young men mm-hmm. uh, seems maybe incompatible with the way we consider really? male dominated spaces. Why do you say that? Because I think that we often consider like male dominated spaces to not be that sort of thing. But um, why? I mean, I'm, I'm pulling on a yarn here. Why? Um, in your, in your understanding. Um, I don't know. I, I, well, I guess my understanding, it's a tough question because I'm making an assumption about what other people would think about right. something that I experienced and wasn't the same thing. Um, so you're and curious. why is that thought there? Yeah. Why is that thought there? Because um, you have like... I, no, no, go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. I don't know. Um, you do know. Because I, I don't know. I, uh, men are trash. I don't know. I hear shit like that all the time. I don't know. Um, and you believe it? I don't know. I hear it all the time. No, I don't believe it. But that's what I'm saying is that I feel like this is what other people may think. Sure. And so that my experience was contrary to what right. I so think other people So describe your experience and disabuse that notion for people. Great. <laughs> that's an easier question for me to answer. Okay. Um, so it's an all boy Jesuit Catholic school. Um, it was a, in general, really loving environment. I like never saw a fight in high school, mm. which I think is like atypical. Uh-huh. Um, you start the, your high school experience off with a freshman retreat where it's like a, a couple night retreat. And there are a lot of like really emotional things where you talk about, I get think for back of, lack of a better term, your trauma, mm. your family history mm. uh, with like a group of 14 Dudes. year old boys yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and led by seniors. Sure. And so you have that sort of behavior demonstrated to you by these people who are super intimidating and like, you know, elevated. Yeah. Uh, and so you show are shown it's okay. Then you've got like uh, teachers who are there as well. Who are all male teachers? Stuff. No. Oh, okay. Mostly male teachers. Okay. Um, but the female teachers are fucking rad in general. If they like enjoy teaching in that environment, they tend to be some pretty awesome people. Sure. Like the current principal is a woman and she was my freshman high school English teacher. Mm. She's cool. Um, so yeah, so that freshman retreat is a really big thing mm-hmm. and is like, um, talked about for years afterwards by a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, it's such an indelible, like bonding experience. Totally. Mm-hmm. And it's like, a, I, I think, a, an opportunity to, um, be vulnerable mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that um, m- most American male children who are presumed to be heterosexual are not allowed. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, or told you're weak if you do so, mm-hmm. or you're a sissy, or whatever the hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, we all love Brene Brown in this household. And do um, we? I don't know, isn't like is she canceled? What do I not know something? No, I'm just no. Go ahead. Okay, well, you know, vulnerability being the into, uh, invitation to intimacy that it is. Sure. Um, I think <laughs> because I don't know, is she canceled? 
Did I miss something? I don't know. Sad. Uh, the look on your face. Sorry, you can't hear looks on faces in the podcast, so you don't know what I'm dealing with right now. Ah, uh, good. Um, sorry. So, uh, anyways, uh, vulnerability being the invitation into intimacy that it is, it's sure. um, a nice moment to like share intimate moments with like 14 year olds, uh, you know, your fellow fellow students. Yeah, yeah, which is like shocking and also liberating hmm. um because uh because then you can be your full self hmm. you know and being uh you know a preteen in you know seventh and eighth grade going through puberty getting braces being chubby mm-hmm. you know you don't feel super great about yourself sure. and not fitting in and all that kind of stuff sure. and by you i mean me and no i was, ch- I was chubby <laughs> at that age too so oh right on no braces but... um I mean, I'm yeah, still you have chubby, beautiful so. teeth. Yeah, um, I do. Yeah, you can't hear that on the podcast either, but perfect teeth. Um, so, anyways, um, and so then having that experience for me mm-hmm. um, to be in a place where I wasn't being judged, where they weren't, where there weren't these social strata that existed that mm. I was being thrust into, mm. where I could um, share um, how I felt mm-hmm. with teachers or students or. You know, maybe even some upperclassmen because your retreat leaders stuck around. You know, they're still there. Mm. Um, was was wonderful, sure. uh, especially for a sensitive boy like me. Uh, why do you why do you why do you say you were a sensitive boy? Because I am. Jesus Christ, I cry all the time. Um, okay. I uh, I mean, you you call me grumpy Gus and say I'm mean, but uh, you know, underneath that gruff exterior is uh, a gentle man. <laughs> uh, there's gonna be such a dramatic reenactment of how not gentle he was in the office so please tune into the ig for this fucking episode uh, anyway uh-huh. anyways um but so, you were you would you would describe yourself as an adult you would describe yourself even as an adolescent as sensitive oh yeah why because uh, like I, I like i i think it's so funny that your perspective of no, me I know, is what it is you, i know, I know. this like gr- like this yeah you know, but bar, i like bar, be, bar. be i mean like i uh you know, I mean, like, I'll I'll tear up watching pretty much any movie or TV show that has the slightest amit, a bit of, like, you know, sensitive stuff. Um, I mean, like, I cry watching The Great British Bake Off, like, <laughs> on the regular. Like, are you kidding me? Um, uh, like, but you were that sensitive as, a, as, an ad, as an adolescent. Absolutely. So Why do you think that was? Oh, why do I think that was? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I see myself as a man and I see my dad and I see how similar we are. And mm-hmm. I see, I read this memory. The first time I ever saw him cry mm-hmm. was when he was watching uh, extreme makeover home edition. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, move that bus. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, I, I, I think I got a lot of it from him huh. of just being a sap. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, do you think it, your dad made it okay for you to, to emote? Is that what it is? Like seeing him, like you know, be emotive. Like that was you... after we'd moved to California, so mm-hmm. it wasn't like an early lesson I learned. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I don't know how what you define early as, but like I was I don't know when that was on TV, but I was maybe eleven or twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, maybe I th- I think yeah I think that like you know the, having those models is super important. Um, but I think also you know I I just I don't know I feel a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I have two brothers. My older brother is in you know, the bull and China shop. My younger brother is like the best athlete in the world and super competitive. And, mm-hmm. um, but he also feels a lot too. We all do. And, mm-hmm. um, but I think it was like my role in the family. I felt like it was my role in the family mm-hmm. to like be in touch with how everyone was doing and mm-hmm. like 
you know, be the kind of conductor of that. And maybe it was a middle child thing. Maybe it was a uh, codependent thing. Hmm. Who knows? I don't know. I have like a, a lot of memories of male role models not displaying their emotions properly, like uncles or, mm. um, well, uncles. Mm-hmm. Um, and just not understanding why they're angry or why they're behaving the way they are. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think your behavior was in response to that? Like, I don't want to be that. Totally. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my... I see this in myself, but I see it in my brothers too, which is like an impatience for people to like figure their shit out and be considerate of others and understand how their actions affect others. Hmm. Um, And so when other people aren't self-aware of how their behavior is affecting other people, it's like, come the fuck on, figure Hmm. it out, Hmm. you know? Hmm. Um, And so, yeah, so I, you know, for some reason, part of growing up and the way we were raised, we're just like super attuned to how other people are doing. Mm -hmm. Um, for better and for worse, I think. Mm. Um, yeah. Do you think that that as a child, your, 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 using your words, your feeling a lot was like the the locus of that was your family and maybe your immediate um, social circle, or was it was it just broad in terms of like your your understanding of the world at the time? Like where was that? Like how big was the how big was was huh. that? At what age? Uh, let's say high school after your, um, high school, mm-hmm. high school. I was still Catholic, mm-hmm. uh, and going, still to, going to church all the time, every Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, Jesuit school too. So this high school is pretty rad actually. Um, so I was a freshman in high school in 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember we had these things called CLCs, Christian life communities, mm-hmm. which were basically clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, but they would have like a teacher facilitator and we had a gay straight Christian life community. Oh, at my Catholic high school um, 20 boys. years ago, mm-hmm. all boys, mm-hmm. and had a ton of progressive teachers, and they even put on, like, a mass. Hmm. Um, and, like, not in a repressed, like, oh, being gay is a sin, we're going to, like, help you out way. It's mm. like, no, you're great. Oh, wow. Put on a mass That's way. That's amazing. Um, huh. And my high school was rad in the sense that, like, I'll get to your question. I'm not avoiding no, 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 no. it. Uh, we like sponsored protests like going to the what was formerly known as the school of americas Mm -hmm. but is now known as the western hemispheric institute for security and cooperation um which is at fort benning georgia Mm -hmm. um and went to a protest there um Mm. and um have like helped run uh fundraise for our we have a sister community in el salvador called agua escondida Mm -hmm. and like built a preschool there and helped pay for a teacher and help spray for mosquitoes and stuff to keep malaria rates down and mm. all that kind of business. Um, and so the school is pretty fucking rad mm. um, and all it, that. And it instilled some some notion of a practical Christianity. Yeah. The mm. motto of the high school is um, from a quote from a priest named Pedro Arupe, which is men for others. Mm. Um, <laughs> I'm too immature for that. Go ahead. Uh, well, men and women for others. How's that? Uh, but I went to all boys school. <laughs> um, uh and so, yeah, so it was a big part of it. There was a service requirement at our high school. Mm-hmm. Um, you had to do 25 hours of service each year. I think mm-hmm. the first year was with uh, homeless folks or maybe like the elderly kids. And then like, you know, I forget which one it was, freshman, sophomore, junior year. Then senior year, you mm-hmm. could pick your own and do 30 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, I, through high school, would pray every night before I went to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, or actually when I was in bed. Mm-hmm. And... Um, this i would pretty much do the same prayer every single night which i was which i've like since learned is a pretty rad meditation i like to do now and mm-hmm. i like somehow landed on it on myself mm-hmm. um which i would just basically like you know um make the sign of the cross and then lay there and think about 
myself as like love leaving my body inside of like growing from my body and mm. like infusing everybody on earth and the whole planet and mm. just like everybody being infused with love. Mm. Um, and so in high school, I was like, I felt a lot for not just my family and my local community, but um, I felt this kind of conflict. I mean, when did the Iraq war start? When was 9-11 was 2001, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like, I remember um, I was like a week or two into high school. Mm -hmm. And that's when the 9-11 happened. Mm -hmm. And so, so much of high school was framed in a global context mm -hmm. of, like, understanding, like, I didn't even know what the fuck the Twin Towers were when they got hit. Mm -hmm. I'd never been to New York. Mm -hmm. um, but then, like, then your worldview broadens, like, oh, okay, well, what is Iraq? What is... Afghanistan like mm -hmm. okay why do they matter why, why they are matter? we sending people there mm -hmm. and why are we sending people there and why do they you know fly planes into these buildings like right. what's going on mm -hmm. um, and so kind of broadening uh an understanding of what's going on in the world and why it's working the way it is and again going back to that idea of me being that kid sitting on the counter like wanting everybody to just have a good time at the party and people are not having a good time at the party mm. and so then feeling like okay what can I do to kind of help Mm. Let's get there. Um, did your sense of where where did the majority of your sense of service and or your emitting your desire to like emit love to the entire world come from? Was that kind of the exposure to social inequity that you got from school and high school? Was it kind of just like your Catholicism that started before you got to California? Was it your parents? Um, what like where do you think like if you had to try and pinpoint or locate where the where the most of that kind of um uh instinct came from where where would you say it came from hmm. having trouble coming with a concrete answer uh, i think the catholicism thing is a a big part of it for sure mm -hmm. um i mean service rooted in that i know that service isn't the word du jour nowadays but no. um that's what we talked a lot, lot about back then. Mm -hmm. um, now it's now it's working for our collective liberation. Ah, uh, come on. Yeah, ah. which which feels a lot uh, less patronizing. Mm. Um, and but yeah, the Catholic thing. I think I, I don't often reflect on it, but like certainly had a big push on it because like my parents are good people, and also they didn't really do like a ton of service work, and it wasn't mm. a super big co topic of conversation mm -hmm. uh, around the house. Mm. Um, I knew my, my parents cared about politics, my dad more than my mom, but... How would you describe their politics? Or how did you understand their politics as a child? Democrats. Uh, hmm. <laughs> that's, okay. that's uh, I mean, like, for us now, that's a full answer. But back, <laughs> back then, um, my dad has become more progressive with age, which mm. I fucking love about him. Really? He didn't mellow out. He got more radical. Yeah. Huh. My, my dad voted for Bernie and wore a Bernie pin to the classes he takes at community college. Right. And, like... Wants to use the right pronouns for people, and right. so it's like asking me like how do you, well how do you navigate pronoun conversations, sure. and uh, you know I mean he looks I look like him except uh, he is has whiter hair and more wrinkles, <laughs> like otherwise we're very Twins. similar looking, yeah. and so um, yeah I think something I admire about my dad so much is that like or something we both share is we have very strong opinions until we don't. Um, mm. so like meaning I'll, you have an, you leave your mind open enough to be changed sure I love having spirited discussions and talking shit yeah. but if you're right then I'm super down to change my mind okay 
Um, and I think he's similar. Like we'll have like a heated argument about something. Mm -hmm. And then the next day it'll just like my point of view will be incorporated into his worldview. Mm -hmm. He won't admit it mm -hmm. or like, but it's like, oh, like it's now his idea, uh, which is like fine. Yeah, um, so he's way more into politics. My mom. Um, he's always been way more into politics from in as your far as course. I can remember. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now my mom's like super down with other stuff. Like she, um, she has always had a lot of gay friends mm -hmm. and because she's an artist or just because that's the kind of gal she is. Uh, she's a musician also. She was in the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra and she was in the choir. So oh. I think a lot of her gay friends in St. Louis were gay men from the choir. Uh -huh. um, the Catholic choir. No, this is the the orchestra. The Oh, like the city orchestra, like the, the yeah. grand orchestra of St. Louis yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, so a couple of her great friends from then were gay men from the choir. Mm -hmm. um, and so she was pretty tapped into HIV AIDS stuff. Ah. Um, uh Early and so on. like yeah so you know in the 80s and 90s even her my uncle with whom, whom i'm closest with has uh been married to his husband or with his partner for as long as i can remember mm. so it's like you know it's been gay rights stuff has been a, a pretty big fixture of uh my worldview for my whole life mm -hmm. um and so I, I i haven't heard her talk as much about politics stuff she certainly cares a lot and we talked about it more this election because, I mean, who the fuck didn't talk sure. about politics with this election? Sure. Um, You're saying your your father was more explicitly political Yeah, than I mean, like, mother. he's, like, tapped into MSNBC and has that shit, like, uh, infused into his brain. But sure. um, she uh, is interested in, like, you know, reads about it, but um, is less directly interested in that stuff. I got you. Huh. Um, so how was – describe your – describe your high school experience or your teen years because it sounds like those were better times than your like pre-teen years after just moving out here well pluses and minuses mm -hmm. i was uh definitely felt more comfortable socially okay at the same time it was a high school 30 miles away from where i Ooh. lived uh -huh. so i took caltrain every day seriously yeah huh. and there was a stop there there's literally right at the high school called college park mm -hmm. and so we'd get off at that stop but the problem with that is is like you get back on the train at the end of the day and then you're 30 miles away. And so like having a social life outside of school was quite yeah. difficult yeah. until I got a car and mm -hmm. was able to start like socializing with people. And so I pretty lonely for the first couple of years. But I mean, then I, you know, joined a shitload of extracurriculars. Mm. That's how I, yeah, I like, uh, play music. So I was in the band. What'd uh, you play? Percussion. Okay. Like, uh, like the symbol, the triangle. Sometimes, but mostly like marimba and xylophone and shit. Okay, uh, right you on. know, I, I do what needs doing, you know. You joined the band. What else? So I joined the band. I joined Junior Statesman of America. Whoa. Uh, that was nerdy as shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> which was actually like the coolest thing about that is that there were like girls there. So huh. like there was a dance that they had and I remember okay. like dancing. I was like, fuck yeah, this is great. <laughs> um, I had a, I got I, the one conference I went to, I was in a debate about, I think like the resolution was that um, cutting ta resolve that like cutting taxes is the best way to stimulate the economy or some shit. Mm, um, how did young Dan think about that? Oh, I was uh, against it okay. and I won. Super. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, <laughs> mic drop. Uh -huh. Mic drop. Uh, <laughs> Thank um, you very much. So I was, in, I was also, so um, there's a ton of addiction and alcoholism in my family, uh -uh. Um, which might also tap into the uh, codependence, mm. want to solve all the problems. Ah, that's uh, where it came from. Stuff. Well, that's part of it. Uh -huh. Part of it. And so I was in, uh, <laughs> so you know MAD, right? Uh -huh. uh, for uh, high school, it's called SAD, Students Against Destructive Decisions. Oh. Um, and so I would like legit, um, go to like 
middle schools with other sad students and like talk about uh yeah it's pretty funny uh, uh drug use and drinking and stuff like uh, that um were you hyper vigilant about that because you were aware of your family history like totally. were you like super totally. like two things one family history and two uh my dad was scary with mm. that shit. Mm. He was like super not okay mm. with us doing that. Maybe because he knew. So it's not his side, it's my mom's side. Sure. And so I think he was hyper aware of those the issues. Predisposition, the uh, predisposition. Yeah. yeah. And so like smoking pot or drinking was like a terrifying proposition. And me being the goody two shoes that mm. I was, I wasn't about to like not do. You like, didn't step outside the lines on that at all as a teenager. Uh, second semester, senior year of high school, I smoked weed for the first time. Whoa. And drank for the first time ah okay were uh, you super nervous about it like uh, were you like i might be awakening the dragon ah. no that was not actually a con it was an interesting thing it wasn't a conscious part of my math at that point mm. um and it really wasn't for a long time until i realized that i i, I don't drink or smoke anymore mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and i realized that it was like i was starting to head down that path so i'm like seven or eight years sober mm, congratulations um, Thanks. Um, so I started to realize I was heading down that path mm -hmm. um, and um, saw a therapist and, and worked through it. Nipped it in the bud. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, yeah. maybe it was more of a, a, a blossom than a bud. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but you nipped it. Oh. Yeah. Right. I got involved in student government. Okay. Uh, and was a class rep for a couple of years. And then I was student body president. Thank okay. you very much. Is it because you rolled up on bitches like they owed you money? You kind got damn like right I did. did. Okay. There we go. God damn right I did. <laughs> Somebody's got to run this ship. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> the plane is crashing into a mountain and I'm going to take control. All That's right. That's right. You know? Move over. Um, somebody's got to make sure these people have a good time at the party. And if it means that some people at the party are going to have a bad time, well, that's your own fucking fault. Well, I'll be that guy. Um, okay. Yeah. Did uh, getting involved make all the difference for you? Like, that just like. Socially? Yeah, yeah. Or, uh, it was really helpful. Um, I have some pretty introverted tendencies, but I think. Ooh, yeah, can you, you believe it? Can you believe it? Please. Listen, listen, this is all an act, okay? He's like, he looked at he looked at the demographics of this show. They're, they don't exist, but let's just walk with me here. And he was like, you know what? It's sixty percent ladies. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna play it up and yeah, just exactly. see what comes back. Strong silent type. Go ahead. Yeah. Would you describe yourself in your teen years as kind of mm, the beginnings of like a political awakening? Totally. Okay. In a political awakening to what end? I fucking hated George Bush. Mm. Fuck that fucking guy. Fuck that guy. I That's mean, correct. it's so fascinating to hear people talk about it. Like, Trump's the worst president ever. No, he's fucking no, not. No, he's not. Oh, it's my not God. Mile, yeah, actually. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, did right. he kill a million people? That's right. No. That's right. Well, I mean, with COVID, it depends on how you do the math. We're <laughs> That's getting right. there. Yeah. But, like, all the same, like, holy shit, do you remember? That's right. Like, I... What I, do you remember? Well, how did you, how did you understand at the time the whole, like, post 9-11 kind of, like, realignment and ensuing like Iraq war thing. Like, how did you understand? How do you think you understood that then? So it, I mean, uh, it changed. Uh -huh. It changed. Mm -hmm. So I remember after a piano lesson, my dad picked me up mm -hmm. and he said, they started bombing Iraq. Mm -hmm. I like remember that distinctly. And mm -hmm. I remember the feeling in me was like a little excitement uh -huh. um, because like, Oh, we're the good guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and like, yeah, Oh, yeah. we're going to go get the bad guys. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, Cause I was fucking 14 or yeah, whatever. That's right. Um, and over time, as it just got worse, and it was like, and then Katrina happened, yeah. and it was just like, holy fucking shit. Mm -hmm. And seeing the pictures from Katrina, it's like, those aren't, is that the U.S.? Is yeah, that our country? Right. That's right. 
like we did that we mm. can't help people mm. when we're not helping them mm. if uh, it was yeah it was really intense yeah. um and i remember more feelings than i do remember thoughts but i remember just like the constant pit in my stomach and anxiety mm. knowing that george bush was president mm. i remember that he would never ever I think the thing that, that drives me nuts as like somebody who's like very justice minded is he never admitted when he was wrong and he never That's said right. he was sorry. That's right. And I mean, Trump does the same thing. Trump is like, you know, took everything that he learned from Bush and the Bush administration mm -hmm. and like turned it into whatever he turned it into. Right. But like, I mean, he never admitted when he was wrong and it fucking drove me nuts. Mm. It was like, such a bad example of leadership and such to my eyes, like everything that I knew what it meant to be like a good, honest person in society mm -hmm. was like everything that guy was not doing publicly. Mm. Um, I fucking hated him. I remember, uh, so I was involved in student government. I was, you'll love this too. I was, when all boys high school, we didn't have cheerleaders. We had yell leaders. <laughs> of course. I was a yell leader. Okay. Uh, yeah, and, of course. And, uh, <laughs> we were um, we were unloading this thing from the back of this dude's truck who just stuff for a game and he had a bumper sticker on his truck he was like a sophomore at high school in my high school and i was the fucking student body president and he had a bumper sticker that said i'm pr uh proud george w bush is our president and i just looked him in the eye i was like why bro you're never getting laid yeah exactly uh, <laughs> and i was just like why and he was just like a little shocked and like walked away and i kind of Oh, he couldn't even answer. He didn't. I have mean, an I was like a couple phone. years older than him, and I was like, it probably wasn't. I mean, like, it wasn't super a, a tactful way for me to go about having that conversation at the time. Sure. But I couldn't really help myself. What are some of your fondest memories from college, from being in college, if you have any? I mean, yeah. I so, you oh no, I have a lot of very positive memories from mm -hmm. college. So I, I had the drinking and partying thing, but then sophomore year, I got into this volunteer group called Four Boston, mm -hmm. which is. Um, a service group, uh, service learning group that mm -hmm. where you were part of a placement and did four hours of service a week at that placement. And then you had one hour reflection with your uh, fellow volunteers, uh, in, um, a group setting each mm -hmm. week. Mm -hmm. And my placement was at the Suffolk County house of corrections um, mm -hmm. in Boston. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when I got super into prison abolition stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, why? What did you What did you see? What did you come away thinking? What were What were the thoughts that developed? The reason I got into it to start with is I wanted to be doing service work, and Fort Boston was the most intentional, thoughtful one. It wasn't just like going to a homeless shelter like once a month and serving soup, which yep. is fucking no shade on that. Actually, yeah, yeah, super yeah. fucking important. Mm -hmm. um, but it was like an investment in the community. It mm -hmm. wasn't just like coming down from your ivory tower once to feel, make yourself feel better. It was actually like seeing the same people, developing relationships working toward collective collective liberation mm, instead mm, of mm. you know gifting of myself sure um and so i looked at the placements and like the really popular placements are like children's hospitals because a lot of the pre-med kids wanted to do that mm -hmm. or uh, tutoring kids and and all that and that's rad and that's good but mm -hmm. um i have a uh i have a pull toward the um i don't know uh, rough and tumble i don't know why uh, I don't really know. Yes, you do. I'm, let me let me think about it. Let yeah, me say I don't know first. It's no. part of my process. Okay. Um, um, I worked in restaurants. Uh, we didn't talk about that at all, but when I was 15, I started working in restaurants. Mm -hmm. um, I was a busboy at this fancy restaurant in Palo Alto called La Vonda. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of just blew my mind, like people doing cocaine and talking about 
sex and like the the patrons being, or the staff staff uh-huh, uh-huh. and being like super crude and cursing at work and i was like 15 with braces and like <laughs> and i just I, I like deeply love these um uh people who don't uh fit in with what society says is like the right way to live your life mm. but who are really deeply loving good people mm-hmm. um maybe because you know I, I see that a lot in like family members i've had who have addiction and stuff like that mm-hmm. um and i one of my personal joys is like talking to somebody and getting to know their like solid gold center Mm. And I find that to be even more satisfying with people who have a rougher exterior because it takes a little more work. But then when you do find out how Mm -hmm. amazing that person is, Mm -hmm. it's so much more satisfying. Mm. Um, And uh, I also just felt like it was a badass fucking thing to do. Like Mm. I go to a fucking prison. Fuck you. You go to like a tutoring center. Great. That's cool. I go to the fucking prison. Yeah. All right. I'm a badass. Um, So your so your love of the badass came from your job at 15. I think that's part of it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess so. I also like, you know, grew up in like a, a fancy ass suburb and went to like a, you know, private Catholic school and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So the um, the deviant, the socially unconventional right. had its uh, had its appeal to me. Yeah, that's um, right. And um, so I, I felt drawn to it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I was drawn to the, and also like the kids who were in the, um, prison group were just like the coolest fucking raddest, raddest people at BC. Mm. So like I had my friends who I talked about who were like work at Goldman Sachs or finance or attorneys and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But then I met these friends who are, uh, people who you would interview on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who are just some of the most amazing people in the world. Um, mm. And why are they amazing to you? Uh, I, my, my housemates call me out on this a lot, but whenever I talk about somebody I really like and admire, one of the first u- words I ever use is smart mm. or intelligent. Mm. Um, that's certainly a value I have. And, um, a lot of the kids who are in this group for one reason or another were some of the few kids at BC who were on full academic scholarships. Mm. Um, part of this program called the presidential scholars program. What did you do after college? Like what was what was it like leaving uh, school? When I graduated school, I went to go work in Alaska with my older brother. I was a dishwasher in a national park, Glacier Bay. Why did that? Why was that something that you wanted to do? You've asked me a few times if I knew what I wanted to do when I was in high school or when I was in college. Yeah. The answer is fuck no. Okay, and that persists. Right. Uh, my older but that's brother. That's a separate question from going to fucking Alaska and being a dishwasher. So I'm saying, my why older did brother that seem had traveled around a lot uh-huh. after college, mm-hmm. and seeing the way he lived his life seemed really fucking rad to me. Hmm. He was kind of nomadic. Kind of. Okay. Uh, he like got his master's scuba diving license in Honduras. He taught English in China. He worked on a farm in Uganda. Hmm. He worked with some folks in Jordan. He was all over the place. Okay. Um, actually, with one of my housemates now, he worked. On her Fulbright project, Fulbright project in Kenya, hmm. building a water reclamation project, mm. which has started how he's now like a water resource engineer. Okay. Um, and um, so, yeah, so that like seemed rad. I actually had visited him in Alaska when he had been working there a summer or two before. Mm-hmm. 
and saw that it was awesome and also a good way to make cash. And I didn't have any money and I didn't know what to do. So, mm-hmm. like, why not go do this? How long did you do that? For the summer. Okay, what did you do after that? Um, immediately following that, we went to the Midwest where we went back to St. Louis and visited some people we hadn't seen in years. Uh-huh. I went to St. Louis and saw some college roommates. We went, took the train from, sorry, Chicago. Took the train from Chicago to L.A. to visit my grandma. Uh-huh. Who since passed this year, rest in peace, Grandma. Oh, I'm sorry. To hear um, and uh, went to Hollywood or Halloween in West Hollywood. I dressed in drag, got my butt squeezed a lot. That was fun. You uh, must send me a picture from this time. Okay. Okay. Super. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't share it with anybody though. Right? I no, I will not. Yeah, of course not. Okay. Um, and uh, were you? In, did you not? Did you shave your beard? A. Were you in heels? And what was the outfit? I need you to paint a picture. Did for not me. shave my beard. Did oh, wear makeup. Okay. Was wearing a dress. Did not wear heels. I can't walk in heels. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> I do have a distinct memory of standing in line for a porta potty. A guy coming up behind me, squeezing my butt, and telling me I was very pretty, though. Okay. And you. Blushed. Reader, just so you know, I'm not pretty. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but he blushed and he felt pretty for. Yeah, I felt like the bell of the ball. Yeah, I can understand how a lifetime of that would feel pretty degrading to people who do endure that. Uh, but at the moment, felt pretty good. Okay. Um, anywho, um, then I went and taught English in Spain. For how long? Um, six months mm-hmm. in the Basque country. Did you uh, feel rudderless during this time? Or did you feel like tw- early 20s adventurous? Like I'm, Early 20s this adventurous. Is... Okay. There right. were moments of rudderlessness. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, like when I was waiting for my visa to go to Spain, hanging on my parents' house, just mm. fucking farting around. Okay. Uh, but then I got to Spain, and the Basques are the fucking raddest people ever. If you want to know some fucking rad people, Basques. Basques. They're, they're the shit. Okay. Um, and so I spent six months there teaching English. Uh, and by teaching English, I mean I, like, went to class and spoke in English with them as, like, you know, I, I barely did anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived on a farm for a month after that in, near a town called Irun. Mm-hmm. Um, and the farm was a community of super fundamentalist Christians, oh, uh, slash, in Spain. slash hippies. It was this huh. organization called 12 tribes or Doce tribus. Mm-hmm. Here comes that Spanish again. You know, it's it just rolls off the tongue. And, um, they, uh, came out of a seventh day Adventists, oh. um, and decided to put together intentional communities of people where, all aspects of life were, um, it feels culty or sounds culty. Um, it and well, I, so I, I, I actually, I would really, I don't understand the difference between a religion and a cult. Huh. Um, and I've, I've kind of struggled to come up with a good differentiator between the two. Sure. Um, they didn't drink Kool-Aid and there wasn't like a single male figure who was in charge, mm. um, except for Jesus, okay. uh, praise be. <laughs> And um, I was very happy there. It mm. was like oh, people were loving. What and did you kind. do with this? I worked the, on the farm. Like so, as a manual labor. Yeah, mar- oh, manual okay. labor. So I like broke up a boulder with a sledgehammer one time or I like <laughs> planted tomatoes or I, you know, uh, collected potato bugs and killed them mm. or, you know. How long did you live among the people on this? A month. Oh, okay. Just a month. Okay. It was pretty after cool. you were after you were done teaching or while after after okay. I was done. Okay, okay. Because after that, then I was traveling to Southeast Asia with a friend of mine from college. Uh, we ended up dating for like a month. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to Vietnam and Laos for a month. Mm-hmm. And I swung back around and I lived in Michigan, uh, where my manager from Alaska was and had a job for me. I was totally broke, and mm-hmm. so I went there mm-hmm. and waited tables 
on Mackinac Island, Michigan. That sounds terrible. It's pure Americana tourism. There are no cars allowed on the island. There are like fudge shops and novelty t-shirt shops. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was terrible because Michigan is one of those states that it's, at least at the time, was illegally allowed to pay you below minimum wage if it was a tipped mm. position. So I made $2.60 an hour. Oh! Um, this was in 2010. Mm -mm. Mind you folks, this still exists in, in your United States of America. That's right. Um, so I made $2.60 an hour before tips. And if I didn't make, uh, I think the actual minimum wage is something like eight fifty. If I didn't make that with tips, then I had to go to HR and request that they bump up my pay. Wow. Um, how long did you do that? Just for a couple months uh -huh. to recap some money and figure out what the fuck I was doing next. Uh -huh. Um, but that was, how old were you at this point in Michigan? 22. You know that scene in the, the first Christian Bale Batman movie where, like, he goes to the mountains to, like, learn his own, like, martial arts shit? Mm -hmm. uh, similar to that, except this was me getting sober. Ah, um, while you were back home. When I switched from Simply Hired to Tune In, it was a rep, but right about that time when I mm -hmm. stopped drinking and smoking mm -mm -mm. Um, and started going to therapy every week. Mm. Um, and um, my principal focus was, like, okay, I have a steady job. That gives me good health insurance mm -hmm. and housing. Mm -hmm. It's like mental health, emotional well-being, all that kind of stuff was yeah. the work to be done at that moment. Mm. Uh, got it, had to get my mind right. Um, but what, it, if you're comfortable saying, what was the like Moses in the burning bushes? Like, what was the thing? Like, whoa, okay, let's we need some attention. Bottom? Um, it was my birthday eight years ago. Mm -hmm. Um. And I'd like made plans to hang out with some friends who were coming up from the South Bay. And then my uncle called me and invited me to lunch. And I was like, oh, great. Like, let's have lunch. Yeah. So I um, went over and had lunch. My family came up um, and we had a lovely lunch. In my uncle at the time had an apartment over by the ferry building mm -hmm. um, and had a lovely lunch and um, walked around. And then he's like, OK, and like, you know, you come back for dinner. We got a cake for you and everything. And I was like, oh, but I, I made I made plans for the evening. Mm -hmm. Like I. I didn't, was a plan. So, oh, oh, he's like, oh, you can just cancel them. Mm. And I was like, I don't fucking cancel plans on people normally. And mm -hmm. also these people were driving like an hour to hang out with me on my sure. birthday. So I was just like, I, I can't cancel them. And he got like upset with me. Mm -hmm. And I was just like Whoa. all twisted up. Um, and then like I ended up like leaving and I went to um, go hang out with my friends. And I was like smoking weed like nobody's business trying to like make myself feel better. Sure. But that was just like at that point having the anxious effect. Mm -hmm. um, and I just remember lying in my bed that night, my just like eyes wide, heart beating out of my chest, just like, this is not how I should be feeling. Uh, and kind of like realizing objectively, like I've got a good, well-paying job. I have a nice apartment in one of the more desirable cities in the country. I have mm -hmm. a loving family. I have good friends. And I feel like absolute horse shit. Mm -hmm. um, objectively, my life is good. Mm -hmm. Subjectively, my life feels fucking terrible. Mm, and there's room for betterment there's there's something off and so i i had had this contact information for a therapist mm -hmm. so i sent him an email i mm -hmm. uh, went in for my first session told him everything um and he was like well we can do a lot of things to make you feel better but the first thing you can do is to get sober mm. and i was like god damn it because mm -hmm. i knew that's sure. what he was gonna say sure sure I had moments with smoking pot where I would like beforehand be like bringing the pipe to my lips. Mm -hmm. Be like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why am I? And then like smoke it and forget why. Mm. And sit there and have fantasies about the kind of life I wanted to lead of like having a garden or being in a relationship or sure. like getting in shape. I play piano mm -hmm. and I hadn't played piano for like a year. Mm. Um, all these things that uh, depressed people mm. do. Mm. Um, 
and um yeah i think i was really struggling with a lot of things one of them like having this like very the sense of like wanting to live a special blessed life and then suddenly i'm like working an office job in silicon valley and like is that my life uh, like, i've been traveling around doing all this rad shit and mm. then this is what it is hmm. um talking about the agnostic god piece it was around then um in combination with both smoking a ton of pot and having an existential crisis mm -hmm. and this one video, which uh, is really fun, highly recommend watching it on YouTube, which it basically like starts looking at a, a woman who's lying down in a field mm -hmm. and it zooms out. So you see all of earth and zooms out. So you see the solar system and it zooms out. So you see the galaxy. Then it keeps zooming out all the way to the edge of the known universe. Mm -hmm. And then, I, and I saw that and I was just like, how the fuck can like God be like a real fucking thing? <laughs> Like, who the fuck can see this mm -hmm. and think that, like, God exists? Like, fuck you. Like, come on. <laughs> That's some bullshit. Mm. I understand if it's, like, 16th century and, like, the entire world is everything you know and, yeah. like... The sun is a messy bitch who causes drama or whatever. But, like, <laughs> if that's all it is. Um, but, like, I don't know. Um, it was um, tough. Hmm. to believe in God seeing that video than being at that point in my life when I was both depressed and anxious and having an existential crisis altogether. Mm. Um, so all that combined um, was kind of that moment. Mm -hmm. I come to Jesus moment. And these are, or leave, come away from Jesus moment. There you go. Uh, and, but this was all happening around the time where you started to work as a quote professional. Uh, you got it. Ah, interesting. <laughs> Just so you all know, I will not rest until I find evidence of that night that Dan was in drag. <laughs> all right, uh, we're back tomorrow with Captain No Pants here uh, being raked over the coals by yours truly. See you soon.